Hey, this is Dave Pryor for Leading Agile Sound Notes. We are recording our last podcast of the year. Tim Wise and Jim Hayden have taken time out of their holiday seasons. Jim's network is currently buckling under the weight of the holiday traffic of all the people sending requests for stuff to wherever <laughs> person brings magical gifts to their house. But guys, thank you for taking time out of your day. Hey, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having us. And you're both going to need to chime in periodically so that I know that you're both still here in case stuff goes down again. <laughs> but having some technical challenges. Can you hear me? <laughs> so, so before we get into, we're going to do some student Q and A again. So we, I still have um, a lot of good questions from folks in the classes that they've been kind enough to send in. Um, and the way that this works is I'm just going to read the question as it was sent to me, and and and. Tim and Jim are each going to comment on it. And before we get into that, um, and Jim, we'll start with you. Can you guys talk briefly about the role that you playing, play at Leading Agile and if there's any particular focus you have in the work that you're doing right now? Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Jim Hayden. I'm an enterprise transformation consultant for Leading Agile. I'm helping companies as they uh, move on their uh, Agile transformations, helping them instantiate uh, you know, the ability to have stable teams groom backlogs, working test of software proved that they can do that successfully. And right now I'm finishing up a trek with one client. They've uh, got to the point where they're predictable and now we're transitioning into the part, uh, part where they start to make smaller batches and actually flow value more quickly. Cool. All right. And Tim, that was very eloquent. Are you ready for this, Tim? I, I believe so. So All right. uh, Tim Wise, uh, in addition to leading Agile, I run Scrum Atlanta. Uh, it's a local user group. It's very active. Uh, so you can check us out in the new year for that. But uh, for Leading Agile, uh, Enterprise Transformation Consultant, um, do a lot of variety of things there. Currently, I'm on a um, on a journey to uh, it's it's kind of removing a bottleneck for Leading Agile itself. Uh, so uh, polishing us up for client presentation and making sure that we uh, don't spend too much time as consultants customizing things on the ground, but rather that we have easily customizable things um, and just making ourselves work better. So that's cool. Uh, what I'm currently doing. All right. Well, guys, thank you both for doing this. Um, we're going to start out with sort of a long question that I got from a student. So let's see, see where this one ends up. It's got sort of a simple question kind of packaged in a big question. I was wondering if you had any ideas around a process for getting items into a backlog. I currently just stepped into the role of product owner, and one of the first things I'm wanting to tackle is a process for placing items into our backlog. Currently, things are all over the place because the developers are kind of doing their own thing in order to create some consistency among PBIs. Do you think it's a good idea for one individual, in parentheses me, to create all the PBIs, it's a fairly small team with six developers, so I don't anticipate any bottleneck. If you don't think one individual is a good idea, then what recommendation do you have for putting a process in place for my team? And I'll, and I'll give you a little extra background. So this person came up to me after class and explained that right now, they've just been put in the role of PO. The developers write all the stories and just jam them into the backlog. The product owner is then responsible for what they jam into the backlog. Oh, that's interesting. Do you mind if I ask a couple more clarifying questions? I will make up whatever answers I can. Yes, go ahead. Okay. So who, I mean, so the developers, are the developers coming up with these ideas themselves? Or is this somebody else's feeding? You know, they have a direct line to the developer. They they pick up the phone, call the developer, say, hey, I need you to do this on my behalf. 
The way it was explained to me is the developer, this is a company that did not have a vision statement. The developers have a, a vague understanding of what is wanted or they've been told, make this thing happen by the state. And then it is their responsibility to flesh out all the user stories that explain all the pieces that have to be put together to deliver the big thing. Fun. Okay, so this is a. Uh, you should a, say a who smaller... you are. So this is Tim. Everybody, Tim yes. Wise is talking now. Jim was talking before. Yes. Yeah, so this is Tim. Uh, so this is. I'm guessing this is a smaller company. Um, if if I had a guess on it. Um, so. The reason I ask that is, are they out for, it sounds like they, they've got a, a deadline, right? So they're out for predictability, uh, or are they trying to invent something that they have no idea how to do? I don't um, know. I believe they were a smaller company, or at least they were behaving like a smaller company in that you must do all the things by this time, because that's what we told the client we would do before we asked anybody about it. Yeah. And, and I'd say that big, big clients do that as well. So what we've, <laughs> what we've got here um, is, a, is a, uh, an ask for something to be predictable, to be done, to be guaranteed, uh, to be delivered, that type of thing, right? Uh, not figure out the next best thing to do and we'll adapt to it. Um, and we need to be innovative and figure out what the market wants. We know what the market wants and... and Therefore, we need to hit this this time frame, okay. type of moment. Sure. Um, so, and and uh, Jim, feel free to jump in anywhere here. But uh, in that type of system, I'm really looking at uh, well, in order for things to be predictable, we have to make it a fair system of play. Uh, so, uh, the six people that you have on your team are they dedicated to the team? Do we have a, a good stable team? And probably and not. Can they do and can they do all the work that's needed? to be done uh, to get this thing out the door. Let's assume maybe, not. Maybe not, right. So um, is your team formed correctly to where they are stable and they may actually have the skills and abilities to, to do everything they need? If not, then uh, you may need to up their skills, put some stuff in the backlog or um, that, that's going to give them that skill set or, um, or you may need to, to hire for that skill set okay. uh, or, the, or the couple of things. Um, so I, but they, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Well, no, I, I think that's all great. And I, I think that's true. I, I'm wondering, you know, because the question says, you know, hey, you know, am I the one that's supposed to, you know, because clearly the, the developers are right now hanging user stories on the backlog. Um, yeah, so there, there's two parts to it. So who writes the items that go in the product backlog and who gets to put them in the product backlog? Yeah, so, so kind of sidestepping that answer for the moment i would ask that you know do they do, can this one person can this this person is acting as a product owner can they also provide some clarity because um, what i'm getting in the sense that they have some deadline and the way that the question was asked leads me to infer that more work to do than bodies to do it so in that instance how do you determine of all the things you could do what are the things you should do? What are the things you can do in whatever time frame has been um, given you? So can that person provide some of that clarity and kind of abstract who's asking for it, but just say, here's all the things that are being asked and then provide a little bit more clarity about here's the, the time box we got to live within, you know, what's feasible to do in that? What's the appropriate thing? 
what are the things that provide us the most value? And then pair with that what Tim was saying, do we have the right skill sets to do this? Do we have the right people available to do the things that are being asked you know, okay. to deliver that value? Well, so so let's take it at a really simple level, um, just in case, because I don't know. I mean, I think the things that you guys are saying are probably true, but it's possible that this could just be a simpler question. And it is something that I cover in mm-hmm. class, but I think even though I gave very specific, a specific answer to this, hearing what you guys have to say would be great. So whose job is it to create the product backlog items? Whether you're doing Scrum or Kanban or whoever, who's responsible for that, writing them all? And it'll it'll depend on the person that you're asking, but in my view, anyone can create something. It's the responsibility of the product owner themselves to prioritize them. Okay. And so, most of the so, time, ninety percent of them are going to be written by a product owner. Is is how I typically see it. But but um, anybody could create one. Yeah, yeah I think Tim's right. On it. Okay. So so <laughs> yeah. then the, the next the the way that I always explain it is like there's anybody can write it. But the PO, I describe them as acting as the gatekeeper because one of the things that I worry about is like in this situation, somebody's a PO and there's six people that are just jamming stuff into the box and the PO is expected to know what all those things are. So I always want the PO to be like the gatekeeper for items going into the backlog. So they flow through the PO into the backlog, which means the PO takes all those items, whoever wrote them, and puts them in and then puts them in order. Because they have to know what all that stuff is, right? And throws them away. And, when necessary, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, and certainly they need to be the one that gets the final say because you, you don't want to be um, stuck in this loop of, you know, everyone's tugging, vying for their own thing to go next, and there's no decision-making. Okay. You know, we're just sitting there arguing. I think the product owner clearly needs to have the ability to be the final say. Go, I've heard from you, I've heard from you, I've heard from you. Here's what we're going to do going forward, just to to make a decision and move forward. Okay. Now, they're getting they're getting feedback from everybody. They're clearly hearing everybody, getting everyone's you know, g- give me all the the relevant data. Um, but at some point, somebody has to make a decision, simply because that's the role to for us all to work well, and play well with each other. Yeah. So so let's uh, I, because I I do agree with you, Dave. I think there's a there's a couple of simple answers to this, but there's also complex problems that go along with it. Okay. So this person, they already have a date for something. So there's likely a project mentality or a client mentality of help us win this client or land this project over here. But like you said, they don't have a vision that, that's, that they can hang off yeah. of as a, as a group. So um, I would guess that they don't have it fully flushed out just yet. Uh, especially since everybody's pitching in and just writing whatever. But as a product owner, they could take a step up from those user stories uh, because it's really going to get kind of dirty and mucky down in there if right. they're just solely at that level. Take a step up to an epic or feature, whatever you want to call it, a bigger thing and say, what are we releasing to the market? What are the major things that we are releasing to the market? And seek to get agreement on those. If we... If we release these things to the market, is this going to satisfy uh, whatever client or project or contractual obligation that we have? Now let's step down into them and start to trim them out and only do the things that are, that are necessary, the must-haves to release this to the market and trim it down as far as they can and then seek feedback from the team about is this 
you know, bigger than the bread box that we've been given. Um, and that's the part where they have to collaborate with the team okay. a lot. So, uh, so they're going to so, be you know? working at a theme or epic level and then prioritizing those epics or themes and then working with the team to break those items down into more actionable stories. Yeah. And, and even more, even more actionable, it would be that they've, they're now collaborating with the team. They do some story creation against those, let's call them features Okay, against those features. Um, and then the PO is responsible for trimming it down to something that can be, that can make sense to the market as well as it's going to, uh, uh, fill the, uh, it's, it matches with the capacity of the team to do work, um, to, so they're not overburdening things and making an unrealistic plan. Yeah. Uh, and there are going to be really hard decisions about what they have to keep in and what they have to keep out okay. and what they have yeah. to make go out because we already, I mean, years of experience tells me that you pick the date, the date's going to be wrong. But the good news is we've got a lot of information that we are uh, making good, credible decisions around based off of the best knowledge that we have today. And we're still going to be wrong, but okay. not as wrong. Well, here's another interesting thing in this dynamic. When you talk about the team creating the stories and I've had a uh, last couple of sprints with a client, I've been coaching in this space where the stories, you know, people want to be busy. They, they want to, you know, I want to be seen as doing something productive. And one of the anti patterns I see sometimes is that they'll create a story quote unquote, but it's at a layer. It's like at the UI layer because that's where I'm comfortable working with. And and somebody else is going to write another story for the back end. And it's not a story that takes a slice through the whole right. uh, process and gets you valuable feedback. It's, you know, they're, they're breaking the stories apart incorrectly because they're breaking it at the UI layer or they're breaking it at the database layer or, uh, you know, someplace in between in the architecture. And they're not getting feedback on a thread through the entire functionality. Yeah. You know, can so would do this? What would that cause, Jim? I'm, this is a leading question. Oh, can that, I go? That, can I answer this one? Uh, maybe, but if you if you have uh, <laughs> maybe if you have <laughs> if you have teams that are uh, that are defining those, and you have a bunch of UI stories, a bunch of backend stories, as a PO, what is that going to do to them? You know, what what limiter do they have? Well, so so here's the thing I've been trying to say. One, you're you're delaying getting your feedback on does this does this not work? I mean, yeah, you're keeping yourself busy, and yes, you have a quote unquote story. But uh, from a product owner, I'm going, and this this again is kind of shaping you know who writes it or what can you do, and this is where the yeah. product owner needs to kind of go. Mm, let's think about this a little bit differently. Is um, how do you how do you craft the stories and how do you how do you shape your backlog so that in a sprint it doesn't exist it does exist two weeks from now I've got valuable feedback that steers me towards the solution but like you were saying Tim we don't know you know we want to be less wrong so how do we prove right. hypotheses how do we prove that this functionality you know get the feedback um, in a timely manner so that I don't have to go in subsequent sprint. That's unwind, right. Unwind, unwind, redo. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And and then it's maintaining releasability there. It's maintaining the options of the product owner to to uh, make the decision to move on to the next feature, to release to the market, get feedback, uh, all those things. And at the same time, uh, the focus is not on keeping someone busy, but rather with getting things done. 
so that that which is going to be hard because uh again those years of experience tell me that they're probably uh running around trying to figure out how to get this thing done and the the uh temptation is to well everybody needs to be 100 percent busy right working all the and, time and the reality is of uh, if we focus on getting done we have the best shot at at actually releasing this thing uh, well not, you know it's funny you yeah. say it that way because you know one of the things i've been uh, working with clients recently is that i i pose a question i go what is the most valuable feedback you get and you kind of get this tilted head huh you know look at you know quizzical look at you and i go it's when you release you know whenever we get this actually into production because until we actually get it there you know you're, you're operating a hypothesis we believe that if we do x the market will react a certain way we believe that if we do y we'll drive this different behavior than what we're seeing today. You know, we'll, we'll drive behavior that'll help people um, self-serve as opposed to picking up the phone and calling us um, and calling our call center. So I'm, I'm going to give the product owner here, Dave, something to not do. Okay. Um, and then and, we're going to do another question because I have a bigger, harder question to move on to in a minute. So go ahead. Yep. So, so they presumably they've got their features. They've got agreement. They can go seek agreement that that's going to satisfy whatever they need to do. And now they're working with the teams to get stuff fleshed out in the backlog. They want to stay a couple of sprints ahead and, and really nail this thing down. Yep. Uh, you know, presuming all that the product owner, that temptation to manage the people or that they have, uh, I'm assuming that there may be some other manager in there to manage the people and the amount of work that they have and that they're a hundred percent loaded. Right. That needs to be, that needs to be, um, put to the back. And the focus needs to be brought toward uh, what's the fastest way to get things done from a feature perspective so that we can get this out to the market. But if those people are not 100% busy and we're getting things out quicker, I'm fine with that. I don't care about getting all of my UI work done. I care about getting something solid out to the market. So there's a very real line of stop paying so close of attention to the people and and how much work you just put on their plate and start right. focusing on the flow of value through the system. Okay, cool. And so it's about, and I think it's important that they understand it's not just getting stuff done, it's getting it out into the market so you can get the feedback. Because I was talking to somebody else this morning about, you know, Jeff Sutherland's last book was The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. And he was saying there's a lot of companies now that are focused on doing twice as much stuff but they don't bother to figure out whether it's the right stuff to do. They're just doing more stuff. So you're not going to know that until you push it out into the public and see what happens. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, that's true. You know, if, if you were breaking up and you got 80% of your value wrapped up in the first 50% of effort, um, would it be nice to figure out if that's actually going to move the needle Yeah. before you commit to doing the other, the second part? Yep. And why hold it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there are legitimate That's... reasons at times to hold it, but uh, I find those to be less tangential than... to this question because we're moving yeah. on to the next one, Tim. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is I'm going to add something. I so for the folks that are listening, I sent these guys the questions beforehand, um, but I had a follow up response to one of them, and so I'm going to read the initial question and then I'll tell you what I wrote back to the guy to ask about and then how he responded. So. This is uh, somebody who took a class recently, and in the class, we always have a parking lot, and sometimes at the end of the class, depending on how things go, we may not get to all the items in the parking lot. So this person wrote and said, the only thing we didn't have time to talk about was how to manage transition from waterfall to agile, 
Um, will you please send me or upload to the Dropbox some techniques or advice on how to handle this? And I wrote to the person and said, you know, I'm happy to help, but is there anything in particular? All right, so this is the part where I want you guys to, to hear this because it is a twist on this question. I'm not having any particular issues right now. The company and the client I'm working with for are already using Scrum, and they've been using it for six or seven years. However, they're doing, in quotes, their interpretation of Scrum, and I'd like to take the initiative to start improving the processes to move the company towards a more and better version of Scrum. I'd also like to know how to handle this situation at future companies. So they're looking for advice if it is not just transition, but they've been at it long enough that this stuff is habit now. How do they move back to something that is a more kind of a reset? Oh, man, that's uh, let me think about that one, because, you know, because my, my visceral reaction to that is that they are doing they, they have um, they have probably in their agile, their scrum, they have they're using all the terms, but pragmatically they're doing waterfall still. They're still they, they've just basically hung. They've taken the metaphor and they've made it an equivalent. So they've rehung a term on, you know, certain things, but they still do big upfront requirements. In essence, they're still doing waterfall within the sprint. Okay. Um, the, that's the way it was asked, and the follow-up kind of question kind of leads me to believe when they say, especially when they say we've been doing it for six years, leads me to believe that uh, while they may be using the agile terms, they may be doing in effect very similar type, you know, they're getting similar outcomes. They may use in different artifacts, but the outcome of the artifact or the way the artifacts created is so still I, the same. I think that's possible. I don't, this, this per, in particular person was fairly quiet in class. I don't know, you know, actually what's going on, but um, don't you think it's possible like if either one of you guys went into an organization and taught them how to do, you know, Scrum or Kanban or whatever and, and got them locked down and you walked away six or seven years, it's going to drift quite a bit. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, there's some there's some telltale signs in and at least in the way that that you read the question. I, I just want to give a kudos to whoever asked the question. I think that they are on a worthy path. Yeah. That is. Yeah. Absolutely. And they've got they've got a lot of potential, right? Um, there's one thing that kind of bothered me in the question. It was I want to teach them how to do better Scrum, um, or Scrum more effectively, or, well, so, or whatnot. Well, so let me set the context. So in the class, I say when you leave my class. I hope that you're, you know, whatever you're doing is fine because my job is not to bless whatever sideways, dysfunctional, jacked up version of Scrum you're doing is. But my job is to help you understand the way it's defined to work. And if you can see the gap between what you're doing and this, awesome. If it makes you ask questions, even better. So when yeah. he says more better, he probably means a more, a version of Scrum that is more closely aligned with what I would be talking about in class, which is something that's more like the Scrum Guide. Yeah, and that may not uh, what what he may not realize though is that there are very real things in in his organization that is keeping it from being that that way. Like if you yeah. can't do it by the book or, or you can't practice certain things, well, there's a reason that you can't do that. So, uh, I mean, what comes to mind when I think about about that helping you know they've been at it six years, seven years. Uh, you know, first there's a gut check on you know what is the gap. Uh, how closely are you doing it or are you just doing it in name and, and whatnot, but more than likely than not, um, I'd, I'd probably wager a guess that they, that the team is, is pretty autonomous at the team level. 
that they've worked out how to do things, but that the company that's feeding them their backlog, that they've, that they've just got to take it and that the budgeting uh, is long-term project-based or yearly planning type of budgeting where there's very long commitment cycles. Uh, and I would also wager a guess of, of that they, the, the product owners then have to hit certain dates and, and the teams are writing stories in their backlogs. And, um, but figuring out, well, what's going to make that better? Um, you know, how do we budget and plan and, and, and do that more incrementally quicker? How do we get quicker feedback? Uh, those are all systemic uh, types of things that are really hard to solve. Okay. Uh, but are solvable. You just need adequate experience and, and the right level of an organization to go solve them, uh, the right attention. Um, so those are all big, big guesses, but I, I bet I'm not far off on okay. those things. <laughs> all right. Jim, you want to comment on any of that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, this whole, you know, again, how do I do scrum better? So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, 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 when I've walked into organizations that have said, Hey, we've been doing scrum for a while, you know, Hey, we don't need, you can't tell us anything sort of thing, you know, kind of cross our arms, kind of look at you kind of cross eyed, <laughs> um, make the comes, snarky you know, face at one another go, Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of roll their eyes and go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> what are you going to tell us? And I'll just come in and just watch. And it's funny because you, you, there's certain things that you can just see right at the front. So let, let's, for example, you know, stand-ups. Um, so, you know, hey, we're doing, we've been doing stand-ups for six years, blah, 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 blah. We're, we're good. And you come and look at it and you go, well, okay, your stand-ups are all statusy. You know, it's basically everyone kind of looks at each other and go, I'm busy still. I'm busy still. I'm busy still. No, no I don't need any help. Um, and there's none of this aspect or, or positioning of here's what we committed to getting done in, the, in this sprint. Here's how we thought it would unfold, you know, from sprint planning to go, I'm going to get these stories done, then these stories done, you know, so they walk it through and go, hey, is it even doable in the sprint? Um, but they've committed to it. Uh, and so there's none of this. And so you, you end up, it's not when they come to stand up and go, well, we thought we'd be here at this point, but it's not, what do we do about it? So we can still land the plane by the end of the sprint. And so they end up with these, you know, uh, I call it hanging above the line. So they have this, if they, if they even planned, how do we think this would burn down? Um, it's hanging above the line going, it's not burning down as fast as we thought. What's causing it? What are we going to do about it? And so they end up with this committal, ah, don't get it done, kick the can down the street, you know, you know, whatever velocity they have. And they don't, that's just the way they live. I mean, yeah, if we didn't get it done, we'll pick it up this next sprint. So they got these partially completed stories that didn't get sure. committed or, or completed this two the weeks. Dysfunctional behavior uh, we'll becomes a habit. Yeah. It's just, it's just, but they're going, Hey, we're doing scrum. Well, hey, so, we have standups. And I know lots of people, including people from the scrum Alliance, that would say like, if you're trying, that's great. But have you guys ever, the way that you were both talking about this gave me this idea. And I'm wondering if any of you have seen it where like, let's say an organization had like 10 teams where there was a role whose job was to visit with each team kind of working, you know, around the circle holding up the mirror and helping them see like, oh, here's the jacked up thing you're doing here that you forgot was jacked up. Um, trying to help them continually reset and check and question their their approach. Because the teams get comfortable. continuous improvement thing? Yeah, but, but I mean, we all talk about that, but teams get comfortable. We all get comfortable in our approach. Have you ever seen any company hire somebody whose job it was, not like coaching from a transformation perspective, but 
almost like yeah, a flow a, optimization role. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an organizational agile coach type of. Uh, I've seen it at the organization, the team level, the you know all different levels of, of an organization. Uh, personally, okay, uh, even when working through them, and that's uh, sometimes it's a very necessary role. Um, I I wanted. I wanted to, to boil it down to two salient points of, of that team, the, the teams, there's a set of teams, that six year team yeah. of, of a particular pattern that I, I see. Uh, one is that the team, when I said they're highly autonomous, they, they generally think they have control of the backlog. And if they do it, that's fine. If not, then no big thing. They kick it down the road, like Jim said, and that tends to be fine. Um, but it's not fine at the same time. The other thing that I see those teams miss is that they're not connected into the organizational um, goals and, and vision and, and the you know what they're trying to achieve as well as they could be. Although they might think they are, um, most times they're not. And uh, so what we end up with is a team that is not aligned to the organizational goals, which frustrates a product owner. Okay. Uh, and it frustrates a team. Because it's like the headless horseman. Well, and the organization um, too. And the headless organization. And then you end up with a team that's uber empowered to yeah. just do whatever the heck they think is best. Which but is which agile, is kind of a man. They add it's value. a fun team to be on. So it's a fun team to be on, sure, but it's not a long lived team. Yeah. Uh, because they're not adding as much value as they could. So it's an expensive team in in some ways. So I wanted to pull on both of those because the fix actually offends all parties in this uh, to me. The fix is aligned to the organizational goals, which somewhat pulls the responsibility out of the team a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but then they participate in those uh, story breakout or story break, uh, story writing workshops or whatnot, and it keeps them aligned. Uh, and at the same time, you put a little bit more constraints on the team to say, OK, now we know what we're targeting what do you what do you believe you can do but let's let's start to work on not flowing things over so much what we say we're going to do we're going to we're actually going to believe in that and do it so it kind of takes the power out of the team's hands which they get frustrated at but it aligns them to the organizational goals right. which they will ultimately be happy with but at first it will seem a little bit painful and, and it will seem kind of anti-agile to them uh, yeah. at first okay cool Guys, I really appreciate you answering these questions and taking time away from your families during the holiday, which we're pretending it already is. Um, <laughs> so, Jim, if people want to get in touch with you and, and learn more about the work you're doing or hear about how your motorcycle rehabilitation is going, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, my email address, jim.hayden at leadingagile.com, is probably the best way to do it. Okay. Um, and Twitter, Facebook, Sim anything like that? You got a, like a MySpace page? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm AOL on AOL GeoCities well. page, anything like that? Yeah, and that's all. That's all linked off my leading agile profile. Okay, so you can see that. Just go to the, uh, the our guide section. Just click on it and see that. All um, right, cool. And Tim, so I've got a couple of things going on. Uh, so first, you can get in touch with me at tim at leadingagile.com. It's pretty easy there. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'll be getting out and doing a little bit more blogging, a little bit more speaking in the coming year. A little bit more podcasting. Uh, a little bit more podcasting, yes, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I promise. It's a commitment yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, 
in the new year, you can catch up with me at, at uh, Atlanta Scrum, at, at Scrum Atlanta. Uh, that's uh, scrumatlanta.org. Uh, if you want to go out and check out what we have coming up, uh, it's on the fourth Wednesday of each month. Um, and we are also doing a, uh, a call for papers right now for Agile Day Atlanta. Um, and I'm helping organize that. Uh, this will be, I believe, our fourth year. Um, in the, it's you know not a uh, for-profit, so it's all the money pours back into the conference and or a charity uh, so we had a wonderful charity last year, looking forward to giving some more money away. So look out for that. If you want to be a speaker, engage with me, um, and we'll see where it goes, but, cool. uh, yeah, lots of exciting stuff coming up. All right, guys, thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And if you've got a question, you're if you're best. listening and you got a question, send it to dave.prior at leadingagile.com and we'll be happy to use it in an upcoming podcast. Cool. Thanks guys. Happy new year. Hey, all the best. Happy new year, Dave. Bye.